When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Welcome to Talking Business, a podcast produced in Melbourne, Australia. The podcast is available on the ACAST app, the Apple Podcast Store, or wherever you go to get your podcasts. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Or you can get it at the Business Acumen website at www.businessacumen.biz. I am Leon Gitler. My job is to review and monitor the week's news in business, finance and economics. I bring it all to you every week. This is episode number 30 in our series for 2020, and today's date is Friday, the 28th of August. First, I'll be talking to Jaron Eisen, the founder and CEO of One Fit Stop. Jaron is an entrepreneur immersed in the health and fitness industry with a passion to leverage technology to create efficiencies and experiences. One Fit Stop is now being used by gyms around the world to adjust to coronavirus. And I'll be talking to AMP Capital Chief Economist Shane Oliver about the profit reporting season. But now, let's talk to Jaron Eisen. Tell us about OneFitStop. One yeah, look, we've, we've been on a big journey in the fitness industry as a SaaS technology platform, working with fitness facilities around the world to power their day-to-day management, which means we do all of the scheduling, the booking, the payments, the reporting tools, the marketing, pretty much everything that a fitness facility needs to operate with. So it's everything from a small boutique, like a mom and pa style shop, a yoga, spin Pilates, or it could be as big as a multi-location franchise gym, as an example. So we do everything kind of in between, and we're kind of we're focused on that fitness vertical as a software in the industry. Okay, so how specifically does it work? Tell us about the technology that goes into it. 
Yeah. So as a business operator in the general sense, I need to bill my clients. I need to put memberships in that people pay me to use my services. So they would configure our, our platform, our technology, like I'm going to bill monthly, I'm going to bill weekly at this rate. And then they're going to get access to my classes and they're going to get access to the general check-in and maybe some personal training services. So everything comes with the, the full billing engine behind the scenes to actually build the clients. Then let's say they're running classes and you need to book a class as a member of a gym and facility, you're going to download a branded application. So it'll be the business branded name. They download that from the app store and then they can book into classes, book private training as well you know, look at their visit stats, pay for new memberships and services and interact with that business. So you provide them with an app? Yep. We do a full branded app solution uh, for these businesses. I can show it to you briefly as well, just so you can sort of see it. Okay. 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 That's that's pretty good. Yeah. You can see what it looks like. Oh, wow. That looks great. Yeah. So like booking your classes and, you know, finding the class that you want and, buying a membership, whatever it is, signing your membership agreements in the app directly, all of this stuff from a compliance perspective, payments, check out with promo codes or gift cards or all this kind of stuff um, you can do. And then now during COVID, I guess this was kind of the, the interesting stuff. We've been working with many brands. You can see some of the brands here, but they've been producing amazing new digital content. We built in all these like video streaming articles, blogs, recipes, the whole works to help engage with their audience from a digital uh, landscape rather than just book and turn up in club. So uh, it enables gyms to actually go completely digital. Yeah, yeah. And what we've seen is that in the, in the fitness industry over COVID, what's happened is some facilities have gone to like third party systems just to do some streaming. Like they've maybe just used zoom. Others have gone and not done anything. They just shut their doors. And so what we did was we built all these tools inside the app. So like, for example, they can access all the streaming in the app directly where they would normally book their classes. So they didn't have to go and download another app. They already had this on their phone and you can see what it looks like to play all the content in the, in the phone directly and do your Pilates classes or your Matt Pilates from home and even Chromecast it to the TV really easily. That's quite extraordinary. Now, do you also provide classes on Zoom as well? Yeah, we, so we have two mechanisms to help businesses go live. We have the first, which is integrate with Zoom and it will actually create unique Zoom meeting IDs on each class and it will send those links out automatically. So fully automated. Um, this, and that, this is facilities are enjoying it because it allows their members to turn on their cameras and they can interact with them and ask, how's the day? How's the week? And, and you can actually see and help them with technique and things like that. Other businesses are actually using a, a tool that we've built, which is a broadcast tool. So high quality video broadcast, multi-camera inputs, audio feed. So you're talking a high-end production. And this is not, they can't turn on their cameras with it. They're just viewing a broadcast stream like you're watching a football match streaming from the TV. But you actually get amazing video quality and multiple camera inputs and all that kind of stuff as a production. So some of our brands have gone with that approach when they want to produce top-notch, top-quality content. So uh, a, a gym customer can actually access the gym from their lounge room, watching the TV. Yeah, and, and our brands are now, when they start to open up again, some of them are installing cameras in the studio live. They're going to run in-club classes and stream it digitally to the world. 
And then they're going to try and sell those digital memberships outside the four walls of the suburbs that they operate into all other countries. We've seen them sell ready memberships in London, in the US, from Australia, all around the world. So you operate uh, in Australia and North America? Yes. Uh, we, and the we Asia Pacific? And the Asia right Pacific. throughout Asia Pacific. We've got businesses that we service from Australia, New Zealand, Japan, Hong Kong, Singapore, Thailand, Philippines, the works. And then we also have uh, offices and set up in the US, so we're servicing North America. And from that hub, we're servicing Europe. And conceivably, as you say, these gyms could actually go global and develop global customers. Most definitely. And that's the beauty of the digital world. So some businesses are completely pivoting in the long run. Some are then incorporating it as a hybrid model, you know, in club and digital. And it's been, been really interesting. But certainly they've seen subscribers come from the, all around the world. Isn't this ironic that uh, with gyms closing down with COVID, they've actually found a new way of building customers? Yeah, it's, it's phenomenal. And it's, it's every day, whilst it's challenging while we're in the middle of COVID, it's so, super exciting to work with many of these brands that are trying to reinvigorate re, uh, their operations and, and find a new way of doing business that's going to be sustainable moving forward, that, that we don't get caught out again. That's, that's quite extraordinary. Now, uh, how did you develop the technology for it? So we, we built a, a team of extraordinary engineers that have uh, developed and coded the technology. Um, you know, from the early days I was involved in, and I still am in, in many of the product scope requirements, the design, UI, UX, all these components of the technology. And then we hand it off to our, our team of engineers that we're building um, native apps on iOS and Android in the native languages, as well as on the web. Uh, of course, we've got all of our web components for the business dashboard. So it's a completely cloud-based approach, but certainly we've got a, a pretty big team of, of really great engineers. How long, how long did it take you to develop this? We've been, we, every, every day for the last four or five years, predominantly, and it's a never-ending effort. I mean, if we want to stay up to date with technologies, things are changing so quickly. The, not only just operations in the marketplace, but just technology capabilities. We couldn't do these streaming solutions five years ago to this extent. It just wasn't available. So I think every, every year we see new opportunities. Every month we see new opportunities with the technology. Isn't it ironic that you started working on this before COVID and now it's coming to its own during COVID? Yeah, you know, well, we had all of the booking management tools, the payment tools for physical training in physical locations prior to COVID. And we actually launched our first digital modules in December last year. So we were working towards the digital environment. It was always part of our product roadmap was to get into this area. And so we actually had the foundations of the technology ready built, which was great because when COVID did hit, we literally went full steam, all engineers on additional digital engagement modules. And uh, we were able to release it very quickly to the marketplace because we had already done a lot of the base work behind it all. Well, that's quite extraordinary. And also, have you had issues with teaching gym owners how to use this? We have had to spend hours training gym owners on how to use the new technologies. And it's not only a time investment on how to configure the system. It's a time investment on now producing the video content and getting the right people to camera and the gear and all that kind of stuff. We've had to consult on what camera gear to even buy, as an example. So I think it's, it's added challenges to our operations, but certainly when we see their end products, it's incredibly rewarding because in many cases, it's, it's a savior to these businesses over this time as well.
Indeed, indeed. And and so where do you see this developing now? How do you see this moving on? I believe it's going to become a hybrid world, digital and physical together. I don't think digital will replace the traditional fitness like we have. It will start to normalize a little bit, but those brands that are able to also find ways to digitally engage, create unique experiences online, but also continue to offer their core services that they always had before, but in a, in a hybrid world, an omni-channel presentation, I think we're going to find success in that area. And uh, that's where these brands are going to move to. Well, that's going to be quite extraordinary to watch. And uh, Jaron, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. And now let's talk to AMP Capital Chief Economist, Shane Oliver. Well, Shane, tell us about the profit reporting season. I mean, it's been, uh, it's been quite uh, tumultuous. It, it certainly has. Uh, obviously, we've had a shutdown in the economy, at least through April going into May, and it was going to have a big impact. And of course, many companies had suspended or deferred dividends. And then, of course, we've had a new, a new lockdown in uh, Victoria this month. So all of that is, is sort of weighing on uh, company profits big time, just as it's weighing on the economy. In the event, the results haven't been quite as bad as feared. So that's why the share market's been able to rise through August as a whole. So far, we're about, we've seen about 70% of companies report, 80% of market capitalisation. So we've seen the, the big bulk of the results have already come through. Uh, and they're not great. There's no doubt about that. On my count anyway, only 33% of results um, reporting so far have seen a rise in earnings on a year ago. And normally it's about two thirds see an increase in earnings. So only about a third of companies have seen an increase in earnings. The rest have seen a decline. And 55% of companies have cut dividends. Whereas normally in Australia, it's only about 16% of companies cutting dividends. So pretty bad results in terms of earnings and dividends. Uh, consensus expectations is now for about a 22% decline in company profits for the last financial year. Obviously, all of that, uh, the big hit is due to the coronavirus uh, setback in the June quarter. Uh, and that makes it, that will make it the worst slump in company profits since the early 90s recession. So all pretty bad. Uh, only thing is that companies seem to be hanging in there. They seem to be fairly resilient. And of course, you know, we have seen some reopening in the economy outside of Victoria. So that's offering a bit of hope. And the results were no worse, no worse than feared. In fact, they were not as bad as feared. So that's, uh, that's why shares have managed to hold up. And interestingly, so far, about 60% of companies have seen their share price outperform on the day they reported their results which I guess is another sign that uh, results weren't quite as bad as feared. How has it affected certain sectors? I mean, I think financials have been hit the hardest, haven't they? Yeah, uh, the financials have been hit the hardest. Uh, they're seeing a slump of around 30% in earnings. Terrible hit there, led by ins insurers uh, particularly. They were also affected by increased claims associated with bushfires and floods. And the banks, uh, pretty bad results there. But uh, next in line in terms of worst performances, the industrials with a roughly about an 18% decline in profits and finally resources with about a 14% decline in profits. Although the bulk of the damage in terms of resources has been through the energy sector, given the earlier collapse in the oil price, which has hit, affected uh, energy producers. So it's, it's basically the financials have taken a big part of the hit, as you'd expect, but uh, virtually every sector of the economy has seen earnings decline. I think the only sector which may come out ahead is consumer staples. 
Uh, the interesting part about the results was that uh, e-commerce companies did particularly well, like, for example, JB Hi-Fi, like, for example, Kogan. That's right. You've got to be uh, careful here in generalising. Uh, so what I've just gone through there is the overall average results. Um, but there have seen, been some good results, as you say, in that IT space, uh, online retailers are doing pretty well. Companies which have a good operating model, um, companies that have also benefited from a pickup in con consumer discretionary spending, uh, such as JB Hi-Fi. So it's not all bad news. Uh, parts of the economy have really boomed in response to the coronavirus situation. Uh, and of course, that that is uh, that has helped certain sectors. And I should say, I've got that round the wrong way. Consumer staples will probably see a slight fall in profits. It's consumer discretionary stocks, or re traditional retailing stocks outside of the supermarkets, which will see a rise. And that's because as we went into the lockdown, and thereafter, people can't go on holidays. Um, people are spending a lot of time at home, and so they've spent on things that relate to the house, whether that be computer equipment, whether it be electronic systems, TVs, whether it be lounge settings, or they've spent on the garden or, or whatever. And so there's been a, a switching in spending away from travel-related stocks, consumer services, entertainment, traditional entertainment, in favour of some of these other stocks. And that's been a huge boon to online retailers, but it's also been a huge boon to companies that sell those items, such as electronic goods in the case of JB Hi-Fi or furniture. Okay, and supermarkets have done pretty well too. Yeah, supermarkets have done okay out of this. People still have to eat. And of course, there have been bouts of panic buying along the way, obviously the toilet paper, pasta and rice uh, panic that we saw at the start of the the lockdown nationwide and then more recently again in Victoria. Only thing with those things is there's only so much toilet paper and rice you can use. You know, you can buy it and then stick it in your cupboard. Just pulls demand forward. And that, that is always a bit of a risk with this that people might have spent a lot on furnishings as well. And then, you know, you end up with a bit of an air pocket down the track as as people you know, people realise, well, I've spent a lot I need on the furnishings. I don't need to replace it again. Um, and eventually they might, they might start spending more on travel. So th I think there's going to be ongoing volatility here as we see rotation in spending from one area to another, at some point, hopefully services will come back and that'll see spending switch away again from goods retailing back into services retailing. But as to when that occurs, it's anyone's guess and depends very much on what happens to coronavirus. And of course, there's been no surprises there in certain respects. I mean, like the, the Qantas results was horrifying, but uh, no, no surprises there. And of course, with the entire travel industry, no, no surprises on the travel side. That was expected to be bad, and it certainly was bad. I guess the only company you could take is that hopefully it doesn't get any worse than this. You know, if uh, air traffic, air travel is sort of uh, collapsed and people aren't going on holidays, then there's, you know, it's not going to get any worse. Um, if anything, there's, there's upside at some point. It's just a question of trying to work out when that upside is. We had thought there might be a pickup in domestic travel when the, the first wave came under control, but those expectations have been dashed somewhat. Um, and these periodic outbreaks we're seeing, uh, not just in Victoria or elsewhere, have sort of put a bit of a question mark about when that will occur, which then limits any travelling people do for holidays to, to within their state. Um, assuming they're not in lockdown like Victoria. So there's still a lot of uncertainty about those those sectors, travel, uh, airlines and so on. Um, I suspect they'll eventually come back, but they'll be probably one of the slowest comeback of the loss. And there's also going to be a big impact as corporate travel 
uh, will probably stay depressed for a while to come simply because companies have discovered that they can do a lot of these things via video conferencing calls, which where the technology is now quite good. So I suspect that the combination of cost cutting and the technology that's proved itself will have a lasting impact on corporate travel, which will, of course, have an impact on the profitability of airlines. Overall, though, uh, you would expect that the corporates would be cutting back quite severely during this time and would be using that to as experience to cut back. So how do you expect this will impact on profits moving forward? Well, uh, yeah, I think we will see more cost cutting. What the coronavirus uh, uh, crisis has done is show that technology uh, works and people have switched more of their purchasing to online. They work at home. And when you work at home, that means less demand for all the things associated with going to the office, whether it's office space demand, whether it's uh, cafes in the city, whether it's uh, transport and so on. And that has an impact right through the economy. Um, and then, of course, companies have seen the uncertainty and, and, and the technology which proves itself. And so they're using that to cut costs. So this, this will all have a lasting impact beyond the mere shutting down of the economy. So my reckoning is that the Aussie economy probably contracted about 7% in the June quarter. We'll get those results in a week or so. And that compares to something like 10% in the US and 20% in the UK, if you want to say something bad, and 12% in Europe. So pretty bad hit in the June quarter. Um, and that came on the back of a weekish. We were down 0.3% in the March quarter. I, I reckon about 80 or 90% of that slump will come back fairly quickly as uh, as the economy reopens, depending on when it fully reopens. But there'll be an element of it that won't come back. It'll come back more slowly or won't come back at all. And cost cutting will be a factor within that. And that'll have an impact in turn on company revenues. So, yes, we'll get a bounce back in company profits, I think, over the next financial year. The consensus has been revised down to a rebound of about 7 or 8%, which I think is probably a reasonable estimate. Um, but it's going to take a while to claw back to the profit levels we saw back in 2019. Right, OK. And, uh, of course, it could take some time, you know, well into maybe 2022. I think full comeback year is probably a 2022 story. I mean, it all depends on which part of it you look at. If, you, if, you, if you're focused on things getting better from where they are, then I think we are getting better. Um, growth is gradually returning, not in Victoria, but elsewhere activity is returning. But to get back to the levels of activity, which is relevant for unemployment, um, we're probably not going to get there till 2022 I, I suspect. So it's going to be a long, a long drag back, which in turn means there's going to be a lot of spare capacity in the economy, um, a lot of unemployed resources. Economists struggle now to work out what the true unemployment rate is because uh, unemployment at the moment is being masked by JobKeeper and people have left the workforce. So that's confused the picture as to what unemployment really is. Rough estimate is that it's about 10% down from 15%. In April, so it has come down, but it's still a very, very high number. And I suspect that the recovery in unemployment, the decline in unemployment going forward, will be a lot slower. Um, you have these easy gains as people start going back to cafes, that the cafe employs people and restaurants and and so on. But then there'll be other parts which will be a lot slower to come back, such as in relation to travel, office employment, uh, retailing. You know, probably never probably never go back to the levels of employment it's seen in the past um, and so on. So you get this part of the economy will bounce back relatively quickly uh, over six to 12 months, but the other parts of the economy will come back a lot more slowly. Okay. And uh, of course, it takes about five years for employment to get back after a recession. Uh, but this recession is unlike any other recession we've seen. So 
who knows what will happen. Yeah, there's a lot of uncertainty on that front. It's not a normal recession. A normal recession is a situation where you see a boom in the economy, inflation takes off, there's lots of excess, the central bank raises interest rates, things start slowing down, the excess is exposed, you know, people have taken on too much debt, uh, overbuilding in various parts of the economy, that excess has to be unwound and that'll take a long time to, to recover from. So if you go back to the early 90s recession, we, we saw that classic cycle there, boom, then a bust. Unemployment surged to, I think at one stage it got to around 11% at the end of 1991. And of course it didn't, uh, you know, even in the late 1990s, 1998, it was still 7.5% or thereabouts. So it took a long time to come back down. Um, as companies were cautious initially to to hire people. And also, of course, uh, cost-cutting remained an ongoing factor for a while to come. So, yeah, it's the old story. Unemployment goes up via the, via the elevator or the lift and comes down via the staircase. Um, and that will be a, uh, an ongoing problem. We already had relatively high underemployment prior to the coronavirus shock. But this, I think, will just accentuate that to some degree. So, on the one hand, things will improve as we get the virus under control, assuming we do, and I think we will ultimately, one way or another, but it will take a long time to return to normal in terms of getting that unemployment rate back down to the 5% level, let alone getting underemployment back down to a reasonable level. Well, Shane Oliver, that's all sort of very sobering thoughts, and uh, thank you again very much for your time. My pleasure, Leon. So what's happening in the news? Well, it's AMP's Me Too moment. AMP Chairman David Murray has resigned, effective immediately, as has AMP Director and former Treasury Secretary John Fraser. The financial services company has been rocked by a series of sexual harassment complaints affecting senior managers with allegations the company and its board of directors failed to handle them appropriately. The recently appointed head of AMP Capital, Bo Pahari, is also stepping down from that role, effective immediately. Mr Pahari will resume work at his previous level with the company. AMP's chief executive, Francesco De Ferrari, will assume leadership of the AMP capital business for the time being, while the company searches for a permanent replacement for Mr. Pahari. AMP said the resignation of Mr. Murray and Mr. Fraser and the demotion of Mr. Pahari are in response to feedback from some major shareholders about the initial promotion of Mr. Pahari to head one of the company's main business units, despite a previous sexual harassment allegation against him. And Australia's recession will extend into a third quarter, making it the longest slump since 1982-83, and unemployment will remain elevated next year, due to a tepid recovery, according to Commonwealth Bank of Australia. It predicts gross domestic product will fall 0.7% in the current quarter, after declining 6% in the prior period, and the economy contracted 0.3% in the first three months of the year. Australia's jobless rate is forecast to peak at 9% in the final months of this year, and an average 8.8% through 2021, the bank said. The downward revisions to the bank's forecast reflected renewed lockdown in Victoria, accounting for about a quarter of the GDP, which will drag on the national performance. CBA expects only a modest recovery in the economy in 2021, forecasting GDP to rise by just 1.8% from a year earlier. It predicts the economy won't return to its pre-COVID level until the second half of 2022 at the earliest. And Australia's labour market recovery was staggered in early August, partly due to a sharp fall in Victorian jobs. Australia has a two-speed economy right now, with Victoria creating considerable drag on our economic recovery. Victorian payrolls have fallen 7.8% since March 14th, with the impact of the second lockdown similar from a job standpoint to the first lockdown. It is a devastating economic blow for Australia's second largest economy. 
Even accounting for Victoria, there is evidence that the recovery has slowed across Australia. Payrolls outside of Victoria are tracking 3.8% below pre-crisis levels. A month ago, the decline was was just 3.4%. And Labor will pass a government's JobKeeper 2.0 legislation, despite concerns it will allow companies no longer receiving wage subsidies to cut workers' hours by up to 40%. Labor is investigating possible amendments to the bill over concerns it effectively forces workers to pay for the recovery of their employers. But on Tuesday, Labor's caucus agreed to pass a bill, even if amendments are defeated, because it did not want to stand in the way of extending wage subsidies from September to March 2021. Labor will continue to argue against a tapering of JobKeeper down from $1,500 fortnight to $1,200 in September, and then $1,000 in January. But the rate is not dealt with in legislation. And a $500 million deal to sell the maker of Pura Milk, Dare Ice Coffee and Yoplait Yogurt to a Chinese company has been terminated after failing to secure the approval of the Foreign Investment Review Board. Japanese-owned beverage giant Kirin announced a sale of Lion Dairy and Drinks to Meningu Dairy last November, but the deal quickly became ensnared in the broader geopolitical tensions between Australia and China. Beijing has hit several Australian exporters with trade sanctions, while a number of federal MPs and senators have campaigned against the Lion Deal, warning that it could undermine local milk supplies. Last week, the Australian Financial Review reported Treasurer Josh Frydenberg had decided he would not give Lion the green light for the sale. In response, Kieran released a statement announcing the deal had been abandoned. And Qantas has revealed plans to outsource ground handling at major Australian airports, including Sydney and Melbourne, as well as at larger regional airports. The plans will likely cut 2,500 jobs across Qantas and Jetstar, on top of 6,000 jobs already announced in June this year. The roles include baggage handlers, tug drivers and cabin cleaners. And hundreds of Australian staff are being fired at global technology consulting giant Accenture as it moves to cut at least 5% of its global workforce as a result of plummeting demand amid the COVID-19 pandemic. The global cuts could hit 25,000 staff. An initial wave of job losses targeting the bottom 5% of employees by performance measures was largely completed by August 14. And bosses who hold the company's purse strings have seen their uncertainty about the economic outlook push to new highs as a result of the coronavirus pandemic. The twice-yearly Deloitte CFO Sentiment Survey found uncertainty among CFOs about economic conditions has reached a record high of 92%, up from 72% six months earlier. More than three-quarters of respondents see some sort of revenue decrease in the second half of 2020, and nearly three in five expect revenues to be lower than their pre-pandemic expectations in 2021. And Victorian health authorities have released information about the state's high COVID-19 exposure sites for the first time since the state's second wave of cases hit. The Department of Health and Human Services published a list of locations of greatest concerns, including Bunnings, Coles and Woolworths stores. Anyone who attended the locations on the dates indicated had been urged to watch for coronavirus symptoms. An apparel retailer, Mosaic Brands, plans to permanently close up to 38% of its stores, some 500 stores, after crashing to a net loss of $170.5 million in the year ending June. The retailer, which owns Noni B, Katie's, Miller's, Rockman's, Rivers, Autograph, W Lane, Crossroads and Byrne, closed 1,333 stores for nine weeks between April and June, including Mother's Day, leading to a 16.5% drop in sales to $713.6 million. Earlier this month, Mosaic closed 250 stores in Melbourne and regional Victoria for at least six weeks during Stage 4 and Stage 3 restrictions. And the profit reporting season is winding up. Strong iron ore prices and strong production drove Fortescue's net profit 49% higher to US $4.73 billion. Investment administration platform mining services company 
McMahon Holdings reported a 25.1% increase in revenue to $1.38 billion, with profit rising 40.9% to $64.9 million. Hub24 statutory net profit after tax landed at $8.2 million versus $7.2 million in the prior financial year. Regis Resources net profit increased 22% to $200 million in the 2020 financial year, as gold sales rose 16% to $757 million. Perseus Mining reported a tenfold increase in profit from $7.6 million in the 2019 financial year to $94.4 million in 2020. Objective Core has posted a full-year net profit up 23% to $11 million on revenue up 13% to $70 million. Resimac reported a statutory net profit after tax of $56 million, up 19% after net interest income rose 60% to $188.6 million. Financial software business Bravura Solutions reports its FY 2020 net profit climbed 22% to $40.1 million on sales of up 6% to $274.2 million. Saunders International reported a full-year net profit after tax of $1.3 million compared to a loss of $1.6 million recorded a year ago. Ansel's net profit rose 42% to US $159 million in the year ended June 30, with earnings before interest and tax rising 8.3% to US $219.7 million after demand for its products surged in the COVID-19 pandemic, triggering three price rises for medical gloves and a fourth to come. Australian Ethical Investment reported a 22% increase in revenue and 43% increase in net profit to $9.46 million. The professional infrastructure and environmental services consulting company Cardno reported gross revenue of $978.3 million, up 4.4% on the previous year, with underlying EBITDA pre-AASB up 11.1% to $43 million, ahead of guidance. VGI Partners listed investment company VG1, VG8 and the unlisted VGI Partners Master Fund reported a normalised net profit of $9.9 million from $24 million and statutory net profit up $3.6 million, down 82%. Western Area's net profit after tax rose 124.7% to $31.9 million. Parenti Global reported underlying net profit after tax of $110.3 million. APA Group said that its net profit after tax increased to $317.1 million, up 10.1% a year on a year ago. Shaver Shop's full-year net profit was up 44.6% to $10.6 million. Bingo's full-year net profit surged to $66 million from $22.3 million last year. Perth-based shipbuilders Austel's full-year net profit increased 45% to $89 million, while revenue rose 13% to $2.8 billion. Plumbing supplies company Reliance recorded a 32.7% profit drop to $89.4 million. Adjusted net profit after tax dropped 17.7% to $130.3 million, reflecting charges for restructuring and asset impairments. Super Retail Group's net profit fell 21% to $120.2 million in the year, ending June 27 as one-off expenses and wage remediation costs offset wage and rent savings and a rebound in sales as consumers emerge from lockdown. Health insurer NIB's net profit after tax of $89.2 million was down 40% on the previous year, while underlying profit was down 25% to $150.1 million. Ooh Media has reported a net loss of $27.5 million in the first half of the financial year, with revenues weighed significantly by COVID-19. Gold Coast Bates G8, the largest private sector childcare operator with 475 centres trading under brands including Jelly Beans and Pelican, recorded a $239 million half-year loss. 
Clean TQ Holdings has reported a heavy loss of $197.7 million for the 2020 financial year, with revenue slumping 75% to $1.17 million during the year. Retail landlord Aventus Group's funds from operations increased 4.2% to $100 million, while statutory net profits fell to $56.7 million from $110.4 million. Sleep treatment business Somnomed narrowed its net loss to $1.1 million on revenue down 3% to $57.3 million. EBITDA, or operating income, came in 5% lower at $4.7 million, which included $2.2 million in government payments. Monash IVF's net profit fell 40.9% to $11.7 million on revenue down 4.3% to $145.4 million. Borel said it expects full-year EBITDA before significant items to be around $800 million to $825 million, with net profit after tax before one-offs to be around $175 million to $180 million. Superloop has achieved its earnings guidance for 2020 financial year, with EBITDA rising 58.5% to $13.5 million. Media intelligence business Icentia has reported an FY 2020 net loss of $4.9 million, due in part to it taking $10.8 million in costs with the closure of its North Asia business. Total revenue fell $12.2 million on FY 2019 to $110.3 million. Blackmore's net profit after tax slipped 66.1% to $18.1 million. Illumina reported a 57% fall in half-year net profit to $90.5 million. Ampol swung to a statutory net loss of $625.9 million in the half-year to the end of June from a profit of $556.1 million a year ago. Centre Group has reported $3.6 billion loss in the first half after its property valuations were slashed by more than $4 billion. QUB Holding reported a 56% drop in statutory net profit of, to $87.5 million. IVE Group has reported a $20.2 million loss despite receiving $15.1 million in JobKeeper subsidies through the 2020 financial year. Seven West Media's underlying group EBIT slumped 54% to $98.7 million. Seven Group reported net attributable profit of $115.8 million, down 42.4% from last year. Propel Funeral Partners statutory net profit after tax fell 13.9% to $10.6 million. Stockland said it swung to a statutory financial year net loss of $14.1 million compared to a profit of $311 million a year ago. Oil Search reported a net loss of $266 million, down from a profit of $161.9 million at the same time last year after writing down the value of its Papua New Guinea exploration assets. For the full year to June 30, Nanosonic's net profit slid from $13.6 million to $10.1 million, while its research and development spend increased as it did its operational costs. MetLife Care swung to a full-year loss of $34 million from a profit of $51.2 million. Steadfast Group reported a $55.2 million loss for the 2020 financial year. CleanAway reported statutory profit after tax of $112.6 million, down 6.6% on a year ago. Enterprise Software as a Service platform Wispier has reported FY20 EBITDA loss of $7.3 million versus a forecast for a loss of $9.4 million in its June 2019 prospectus. Adbri reported half-year underlying net profit after tax fell 13.9% to $47.6 million. Eagers Automotive said its attributable half-year net profit fell 72.1% to $11.8 million, with revenue up 101.8% to $4.16 billion. Raise Invest said its net loss widened to $4.5 million from $7 million a year ago. National Storage REIT says demand for self-storage facilities has rebounded strongly since June 30, as it delivered a 16% decline in full-year net profit to $121.8 million. Big Tin Can's FY 2020 net loss has widened to a $12.2 million versus $4 million in the prior period. 
Ridley Corporation's revenue fell 3.5% to $967.9 million, while profits sunk 136.6%, with Ridley reporting a $8.64 million loss. Levisa's statutory financial year net profit fell 47.8% to $16.7 million. On a pre-AASB 16 basis, Profit for the year was $19.3 million. Sunland's net profit fell to $2.4 million from $17.7 million. AMA Group has reported loss of $70.3 million for the 2020 financial year, with challenging market conditions resulting in a decline in repair volumes and pressure on pricing. Japara Healthcare says its operations have been significantly impacted by COVID-19 pandemic, with the company reporting a net loss of $292.1 million. Whitehaven Coal has reported a $30 million underlying profit, marking an extraordinary turnaround from last year's record profit. The results suggest Whitehaven only just broke even over the past six months, having reported a $27.4 million half-year profit in February. Professional services buy now, pay later provider Quick Fee reported a net loss of $3.83 million for 2019-20, widening from $1.15 million. Flexi Group's profit fell by $40.3 million through the 2020 financial year, largely driven by a $30.9 million COVID provision. Surgical treatment business Next Sciences' COVID-19-related delays to elective surgical procedures saw revenues for the six months to June 30 fall 55% to US $1.05 million. Its net loss widened 22% to US $6.7 million. Aurelia Metals' net profit after tax slid 18% to $29.4 million. And that's it for this week. And next week, I'll be talking to Adam Mooney, the Australian CEO of global microfinance leader Grameen, which is committed to boosting employment through supporting people on low incomes to set up their own small businesses in Australia's post-COVID future. And I'll be talking to economist Nicholas Gruen about how governments and bureaucracies should close the gap for Indigenous Australians. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter at TalkingBizBZ, on Facebook and on LinkedIn. And if you want, leave a comment. Wishing you all a safe and healthy week and looking forward to bringing you Talking Business next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 